Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. number 12 today and I pray that the Holy Ghost helps us and all of this makes perfect sense I was kind of finishing some things up uh, past midnight I got in bed a little after one o'clock this morning it was a long day yesterday because my day started at five o'clock yesterday morning for prison and such in a a few states away and so God is so good to us I'm thankful that he gives us strength amen day by day Philippians chapter number one and I want to read in verse number 12 starting Paul says to the church at Philippi but I would ye should understand brethren that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. Many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident of my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel what then notwithstanding every way whether in pretense or in truth christ is preached and i therein do rejoice yea and will rejoice let's skip on down to verse number 20 according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing i shall be ashamed but that with all boldness as always so now also i like that phrase as always so now also christ shall be magnified in my body whether it be by life or by death this morning i want to talk to you today may christ be magnified may christ be magnified amen we're going to go to the lord in prayer that he would help us today our minds our understanding amen and that he would be magnified amen through this bible lesson this morning father god i come to you today god i'm grateful lord this morning lord for every song that was sung today lord i could feel lord your gentle presence lord in this place i pray oh god touch our hearts and minds this morning as we look again lord at your word i pray jesus today god let that word lord discover things in our life and be a teacher to us in our lives. God will not fail to praise and thank and magnify you. God, for what you do and accomplish, Lord, through your word, and we'll give you the praise for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, and the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul is quite a character whenever I read of the different epistles that he has written to the churches in the, in the New Testament scripture. The Apostle Paul is one that we can learn from very well because he is the master of hiding himself in the shadow of the cross and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he knows how 
to work for the Lord yet take a back seat so that he doesn't get the attention but solely that attention and all the accolades and glory would go to the Lord. As a matter of fact, we see glimpses of that as he rewrites several of the different letters in the New Testament. He told the church at Corinth in one place, he said, I, I, I determined not to know anything among you. He said, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Of all the affairs that he could have been caught up in concerning what was going on in the church of Corinth, he says, I, I determined, I purposed not to know anything except Christ and him crucified. To the church at Galatia, in the book of Galatians, he says these words. He said, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was a man that knew how to hide himself again in the shadow of the cross. The life that he lived, the ministry that he served in, founding churches, establishing places, all of that was nothing more but the backdrop on the stage of the life, really, for the Lord Jesus Christ. He wanted the spotlight to be on the Lord. He wanted the spotlight to be on the gospel, on what the Lord had done for humanity. As a matter of fact, Paul is probably uh, so gospel-minded, more gospel-minded, of course, than he is self-minded because it's even he who says these words. He says, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. It wasn't about, it wasn't about showcasing the apostle Paul, right? I've, I've been involved in so many miracles and, or even talk about how many churches he established. That's not the thing. He said, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. And so that is that whole mindset, that whole mentality is absolutely countercultural for our day. Probably for his as well, but really for our day because we live in a self-centered, self-help-oriented, self-love-propagated, society and so what he's telling the churches at philippi that echo all the way even to our day is step back into the shadow and allow christ to have the forefront see if you can uh, just get something accomplished without trying to take any of the credit one, one guy said a long time ago he says you know you can get a whole lot done if you're not worried about who gets the credit for it amen and so the apostle Paul understood this very well. And yet, in verse number 12, he says, this is what I want you to understand. Uh, we bring it a little bit more to layman's terms. He's just saying, there's just one thing I want you all to know, even us in our generation. There's just one thing that I want you to know, and that's that the gospel that was being carried forward, it's being carried forward by everything that has happened to me. I know you're looking at my life, Paul saying, I know you see me in prison, but the gospel in spite of all of that is being carried forth in spite of it all. And so he sets as center stage, the positive outcome of the gospel is right there, center stage. Look how he does this. He's, he really doesn't dwell much on what happened to him doesn't really even talk much about that, what he personally endured. He just wants to talk about the Lord. Huh? There are two types of people. <laughs> well, there's more than two. But those that, all the conversation has to revolve around them. You know who they are because you try to avoid that conversation with them. Huh? All the conversation has to be about them. Paul says, no, I'm going to talk about Christ. 
think about this for a moment. Let's just think about some of the things that he endured. I mean, in Acts 16, where he, quote-unquote, founded the church at Philippi, of course, him and Silas are in prison. They are incarcerated there. And so they get released, of course, through their prayer and their praise, and, and God intervenes. But he found some hardships right there, and there were several other hardships past that day in Acts 16 that Paul would face. The Bible tells us, as you read on in Acts, beyond 16, that he felt bound in his spirit, that he needed to go to Jerusalem. Although all the voices of negativity was telling him, Paul, there's bad things that's going to befall you if you go to Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, there was a prophet that came and said he took Paul's, uh, what was called the girdle, and he wrapped it around uh, Paul's hands. He said, whoever owns this, he said, this is what's going to happen in Jerusalem. It was Paul's, telling him he was going to be bound literally in Jerusalem. Things were going to befall him, and all of that came to pass as it was prophesied. That happened when Paul arrived at Jerusalem. You read other places still going through the book of Acts, and there came a time that even when he was incarcerated, that people conspired that they were going to kill Paul. They were going to take him out, take his life out. And so they moved him from one place to another place in the night hour when those who were conspiring to kill him would not be around or at least would not notice. And then he's taken, he makes his appeal to Caesar and he's on his way to Rome. He's taken to Rome and we read then Acts like 27 and 28, the big shipwreck that happens out in the water. They're casting stuff overboard. Paul would have died and the prisoners would have died and but God came through for them and then he stranded on an island Right. He's stuck on the island of Melita for a while he, he's bit by the, a venomous snake there so, so the, the, that's just hitting the tops of the trees folks about some of the things that happen in Paul's life and so be that as it may when Paul takes a moment here in Philippians and he casts his eyes and looks over his life he comes to the Philippian church and he basically gathers all those things that I just mentioned to you and plus there's more that happened to him and basically something like this he said the things which happened unto me I mean he could have got details I mean I almost lost my life X number but he didn't he just said the things that happened to me he said all those things leading up to where I am right now and before now. He said all of that. He said it's the things that happened to me. And let me tell you, I know few people that would just sum all of that up with just the things that happened to me. They're going to tell you I was holding on to life by a thread and the knot at the end of the rope. They're going to take you through the highs and the lows of the emotions and how you've never been where they've been. God but the apostle Paul says the things which happened unto me and note that he doesn't pause he moves very quickly he just mentions all the summation of that like that and then turns very quickly then to all from these life-threatening time-consuming events of his life to showcase what he says but there has been the furtherance of the gospel and the advancement of the gospel nonetheless Paul later, traditionally, a tradition tells us that Paul was martyred. His head was, he was beheaded. His head was taken off for the gospel. He will later be martyred. But right now in Paul's life, he refuses to play the martyr. He just says, it's just the things that happened to me. You know, sometimes we take our living for the Lord and we want to play the martyr. Well, God. Is everybody okay? 
You know the kind. It's a good life living for the Lord, but if you only knew what I did for him. Well, I'll just, maybe I need to go back to prison. I don't know. (laughs) He wasn't playing the martyr with all these different events of his life. He could have spoken about his near-death experiences. He could have, think of it, he could have held a crowd spellbound about how he hazarded his life for the Lord, but instead, he'd rather talk about Christ. Rather than talk about himself, he'd rather talk about Christ. And so I pose a question to us today, and I include myself, because I think we all have tendencies sometimes. I ask ourselves, is this, how is it that we would rather boast about what we went through for the Lord than talk about what he went through for us? sometimes bishop even i think sometimes everybody wants to talk about oh shine the light oh the, the that thief there hanging on the cross he looked over at the lord and said would you remember me when you and we want to shine the light on the repentant thief on the cross sometimes more than the saving savior on the cross whose life and death made the others repentance even effectual oh someone say amen paul said paul said in acts 20 In verse 23, the latter phrase of that verse says, he says that bonds and afflictions abide me. In other words, he said not only are these things with me now, he says, but there's going to be similar things that are going to wait me in the future. Bonds and afflictions abide me. Even in Jerusalem, I'm going to find them. But look at the verse that follows. Verse number 24 of Acts 20. He says, but none of these things move me. None of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I may finish my course. Here he is again with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. He says, yeah, I've had bonds. Yes, I have afflictions. And yes, there's going to be more. There's been a lot of heartache. I'm going to face a lot more of heartache. But none of that moves me. None of that, none of that floats my boat. None of that stirs my spirit. He says, I'll tell you what moves me. He says that Christ is being glorified, that the message is being preached. And if I can be a pawn on the chessboard to help that out, then glory to the Lord. Because in the end, it's it's not about me. I have X number of years upon this, this earth, but the message of Christ, it's been from the beginning of time with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and David and Samuel. It's going to outlive me. And He's magnifying Christ. What are you doing? Paul is hiding in the shadow of the cross. He's losing himself in the grandeur of the story of Christ. Here's something that we can derive some confidence from today. When we make our lives about the Lord, when we make our living about him, then we don't have to worry about glorying in success or bemoaning our tragedies. Because Paul understood my life, my life is expendable. It's dispensable. He knew the things that befell him, they're temporal. But in the same instance, again, he knew the gospel. He knew the story of God manifested in the flesh. And all that that entailed was going to outlast him. And everything that was taking place, 
Abraham, Isaac, yeah, each of them were moving the story of God forward. It was pushing it forward. All of them, amen, Joseph, amen, all of these individuals and patriarchs of the faith were just players in pushing the message of the Bible forward, amen. But in reality, what their lives were doing, their lives were almost like riggings on a curtain on a stage that were just helped pulling back the curtain to reveal to the next generation the reality and the power of God among his people and so just like the patriarchal fathers of Abraham Isaac and Jacob and even Paul here were all links in the fulfillment of the promise in their generation so are we now so are you and I now and so here's what we must realize and this is something I want you to wrap your mind around and tuck in your heart this morning we must realize this that sometimes what is happening to me or what is happening to you may be accomplishing something for him What's happening to you may be accomplishing something for him. The things that happen to us, good or bad, may be used to nudge his story forward just one more generation. Someone say amen. See, Paul's, Paul's imprisonment didn't hinder the gospel. Rather, it pushed the gospel forward. Paul's not detached right here. He, he doesn't have his head in the sand thinking, man, this guy's crazy. No, he, he says there in verse 20, as I alluded to whenever we were reading our text, he says, as always, so now also. I like that. As always, so now also, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or whether by death. Amen. Now, we're, we're standing, you know, you're in the recesses here and you're hearing this guy say this. We're like, Paul, don't, don't, don't talk so foolishly. You know, don't, don't. But Paul wasn't foolish. He had an understanding that his life was a means to magnify Christ. That's really the purpose of your life. That's the purpose of your life. To be a means where Christ gets glory. Lazarus is dead in the tomb. Oh, Lord, if you'd been here and all this stuff. He says, this has taken place so that I might get the glory. Life is a means to magnify Christ. And if it, if it was a means to declare Christ and show that Christ was great, consider this. Whenever someone that has a telescope and they look at the moon per se through a telescope, and you do, it looks like the moon is like right there right it's brought closer to you Paul says my life magnifies Christ you know what my life does my life brings Christ closer and nearer to the rest of humanity in my trials even he's magnified I want to bring Christ closer or nearer to those that are around me Paul according to the scripture he wanted to go to Rome he wanted to go to Rome. Here's the thing. Paul wanted to go to Rome as a preacher. He did. He went a lot of different areas establishing churches. You can read in your Bibles, he wanted to go to Rome as a preacher. And he did. But it was under the guise of being a prisoner. Amen. I can't help but circle back just a little bit to Bishop's question this past Sunday. And we looked a little bit on Wednesday when he said, what if you became a part of my dream?" I ask you this, what if you became a part of God's dream? Jesus said in the Gospels to the disciples, he says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel 
to every creature. You know what the Apostle Paul did? He became a part of a dream. He became a part of a commission of the Lord. And he's going to all these places and he's making missionary trips and he's establishing works. And he had that long desire even to preach at Rome. Look at it, if you will. Romans chapter number 1 and verse number 13. And I'll read verse number 15 as well. Paul speaking to the church at Rome. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oft times I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. Verse 15. So as much as is in me is, he says, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. What are you doing, Paul? Paul's trying to become a part of Jesus' dream. Amen. Of getting the gospel to every creature by whatever means. And so what Paul understood was this. What has happened to me, this imprisonment, this time on the sea and nearly you know, losing my life, got me in Rome. That placed me in Rome. And all of this is for the accomplishing of something that the Lord wants done. And I think woe is me. But we're looking through the wrong lens. He said all of this has fell out for the furtherance of the gospel. And the Lord has used me in whatever way or fashion that he desired in order to accomplish that. You know what Paul's saying? There's magnification that's taken place. In my imprisonment, there's magnification. As pitiful as it may have been, there's magnification because I'm helping fulfill a dream and a purpose. Even through my pain. What I'm going through is accomplishing something for him. See, when you get tunnel vision and you can only focus on what you're going through aside from him, despair, depression, agony, disappointment, woe is me. But when the lens that what you're going through may be accomplishing something for him, everything changes. (laughs) Right? So Paul understood his place. He could have become bitter at God. Let's get real. He could have become bitter at God. How many times do I got to be in prison, Lord? How many times do I have to have a near, near experience of death, Lord? I'm doing all of this for you, Lord. Come on, somebody ever thought some things to, can't I get a break, God? He could have got bitter at God and felt totally and utterly forsaken by God. He's traveled on missionary trips, journeys, been an ambassador for the Lord, established churches. But you know what? Even in this moment in prison, he still sees himself as an ambassador because he understands the mission has not changed. He says in Ephesians, he said, I am an ambassador in bonds. He says, I am an ambassador in He said, I might not be moving freely about, but my mission hasn't changed. I'm still a representative for the Lord sitting right here because day by day, I'm going to have a guard chained to me. I'm going to have a guard change to me and I'm going to be under 24-hour watch and what they're going to hear me over there, anybody that comes to visit me, I'm going to be talking about the Lord. And while I write these letters in my cells that go to the churches, many of them were penned, the prison letters, while he was in the cell. Imagine them. I know how it is in prison. All right? And we're not allowed to ask anybody this, but they can give us this information, but prisoners can ask each other this. What's you in for? I'm in here because I talked about Christ. 
Now, just think about what they just opened up whenever they asked him, what you in here for? (laughs) They're going to get an earful of why he's where he's at. And as a result of that, the message moves forward again. A few phrases pulled from verse number 13 of the New International Version of the Bible sums it like this. It says, it has become clear that I am in chains for Christ. In other words, the Bible says that Paul's, Paul's bonds in Christ were made manifest in all of the palace and in all other places. Let's think for a moment. His ability to stand before people like King Agrippa, Felix, and some of the others that he came before may not have had that opportunity had it not been for him being in prison. He had audiences with people he'd have never had audience with had it not been for being in prison. So you got to, and I know this is difficult. I'm not saying this is easy, but we got to think sometimes that some of the things that we go through might be because we wouldn't have audience with certain people had it not been for where we are or what we're traveling through in the moment. It gives us audience. It, It opens our life up to other people's life just because of what we're facing. Amen. You got to realize that what you may be going through may be accomplishing something for him. Amen. Rome thought they put Paul in prison, but in reality, they gave him a platform, folks. The message Bible says it like this. Paul says, you didn't shut me up. You gave me a pulpit. (laughs) You gave me a pulpit to declare this from, that the message could be spread. Amen. And Paul's testimony, look, Paul's testimony took flight through his suffering doesn't talk about how bonds affect him or how uncomfortable they were but he does they do have impact on other people that's observing his life because no the bible says because of how he was reacting or acting in the moment his circumstances of life you can read it in the other verses like 14 15 and 16 gave confidence and boldness to others to talk about the lord to do what they needed to do. A saying, and again, just fresh out of prison, because a lot of prison stuff is in my head, but a saying we often use uh, with people that are on the prison team or new people that are coming in to uh, share the story is this, is that we minister through our suffering. Uh, We minister through our suffering because there's some that have come that I'm telling you uh, stories that blow the head off your shoulders, but we minister through our suffering. There are things that happen to me Yes, but it's how can I tell the story in such a way that this is how Christ was the center of all of that. We minister through suffering. You're saying, well, Brother McGee, to do that, listen, Paul's not denying that he's in prison. Paul's not denying that he has suffered much. He's not denying that he has feelings of helplessness. All he's doing is simply highlighting how God can work simultaneously. Meaning that, Prison's not going to be the defining moment of my life. Ship 
shipwreck's not going to be the defining moment in my life. Some of us need to rise to that place today saying what happened to me is not going to define me. What happened to me is not going to be the label placed upon me for the rest of my days. But what's happened to me is going to be a platform for God to stand up center stage and say, look at the glory. Look how he brought them out. Look what he brought them through. Look how they are still used of God in spite of their mistake, in spite of their faith. Yes, that what could happen could accomplish something for the Lord. Amen. Not just for the Lord, but it could bolster the confidence and the boldness of somebody else again that, that, that not might be observing our life, that are observing our life. Hmm? Some people seem Paul out of prison and in prison. How's Paul going to respond in each of these spheres? Is there going to be any consistency? Or is it all said and done when he's in prison? Oh, God. Huh? When, you know, when the pressure's on, what type of Paul do we get? What version of Paul do we get? Oh, God. Amen. So Paul determined. He purposed. He chose. Come what may, there in verse 20, he says, Christ shall be magnified. He's going to be brought near. He's going to be displayed in my body. I'm not leaving that. I'm not leaving for circumstances to determine that. I've purposed that. That makes me think of the Old Testament story in the book of Daniel. Daniel, of course, and uh, the three Hebrew boys taken from Jerusalem. They were taken away as captives into Babylon. And... Before, before it ever came up, before it was ever mentioned, before the decision ever needed to be made, Daniel had already purposed and determined something in his spirit. And in his, before it ever took place, the Bible says in Daniel 1 and verse number 8, but Daniel purposed, everybody say purposed. Daniel purposed. In his heart, that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Before it ever came up in his heart, he's saying to himself, If they offer this, I already got an answer. It's no. Huh? It's not that they're asking and then I'm contemplating in the moment. No, 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 no. I've made a choice. I've made a decision. If they offer this, I've already purposed it in my heart. The answer is no. Now listen here for a moment. The custom of Daniel's day with the heathen lands and heathen kings there of Babylonia, death was possible if a person was to refuse the king's provision. Now that's... That's more than just saying no. That's no with possible consequences. Mm. What? You know, going without food for a few days? No, death. But Daniel already purposed. Now let's, you know, let's change the scenario a little bit. Let's change the scenario a little bit. You don't make no choice or decision about that. You're given this choice, whether to take it or not, and given the consequence. If you don't, you're going to die. What's going to be your answer? 
Hmm. Daniel says, before that ever took place, I've already purposed something in my heart. I've already purposed something in my heart. Like Paul, it doesn't matter, life or death, I'm going to magnify the Lord. I'm going to magnify the Lord in my body. He says, as always, look at the consistency of the life. As always, so now also. Woo. Huh? As always, so now also. Because man, I can, I can, I can just speak sometimes when the spirit is high. Woo, me and Jesus, my God. We're going to conquer and we're going to seize and we're going to go forth and we're going to march. As always, so now. The now, though, is prison. The now, though, is unfavorable circumstances. The now is his feet can't trod the courts of the temple. Huh? But he's saying, as always, so even now, I'm going to glorify God in my body. Come what man can't come, what not. I'm going to glorify God in my body. Even as a prisoner, I'm going to glorify the Lord in my body. What that means is Paul wasn't going to allow one moment to pass. No matter how bleak it seemed personally, he would magnify God in it. As always, even so now. The Bible says, there's a verse, it's found in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse number 18. There is a verse there. Sometimes I have heard it at least in my own personal experience. Sometimes the verse uh, gets skewed. It says, and I may have presented this no doubt before. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in, everybody say in, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. With that, I've seen people kind of skew the scripture a little bit and basically tell people that we must give thanks for everything that happens to us. That's not really how scripture is reading right there. It's not for everything give thanks. It's in everything give thanks. I got cancer. Something happens and cancer stricken to my body. I don't necessarily have to be thank, thank you, Lord, for cancer. No. It's though my body is strict with cancer, I'm still thankful unto the Lord. Not necessarily for what I'm in or what I'm going through, but just for who he is. My car runs out of gas on the side of the road. Thank you, Lord, that there's no more fumes in it. No. It's just that I just remain. As always, so now. As always, so now. And so I don't want people to think, well, I, I got to thank the Lord that I don't have money for my bills. And I got to thank him that, you know, Brother Frederick, you need to thank him that your house burned down. No. But I will tell you what that man is probably doing today. He's being thankful in what he's going through right now. As always. And if that isn't a testimony to observers then I don't know what is. If that doesn't give a testimony then to heaven, accomplishing something for heaven, huh? Then I don't know what is. Paul was going to magnify God. Again, not in the sense that he said, thank you, Lord, for allowing me to be in prison. Appreciate it. <laughs> but he was going to display the evidence of God to the world, even through what he was going through. And as a result, what does that magnifying do? He makes God near 
he makes God close. Because he's not, he's not really a God afar, right? He's not. We think, we think as like something just totally encased somewhere like distant beyond the third heavens, right? But he's omnipresent. He's, he's here this morning. Whew. But it's these different things that are displayed in our lives that make it more real and near, not just even to us, but to those that are around us. God's there. Paul was able to do this. Paul was able to do this because verse 20, he speaks, he says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope. Don't want to get too language here on you. But there's just one word that's translated. There's one word in the Greek, and it's translated earnest expectation. But of this one Greek word, there's, there's three elements to it in its meaning. First is the meaning away. Second is the meaning the head. All of this is just in one word in the Greek. And the other meaning is to watch. Combined, scholars say the idea then is this. Earnest expectation is watching something with the head turned away from other objects. It's watching something with the head turned away from other objects. Paul says, I'm going to magnify the Lord. He made, he made that very clear. Amen. He made that very clear. That's, that's what I'm going to focus on. Going to fo- even more than myself, I'm going to focus on him. Now, that focus did not remove the fact that he was in prison. It just made the details of that less important. Let, let me ask you this. Have you ever, and you can, you can practice this little thing with me this morning. You ever hold your finger out in front of you, just one finger. Come on, participate. Hold your finger out in front of you. Now, I want you to look beyond your finger and look at me. If you'll notice in the, in the foreground there, your finger got blurry. Now, if you focus on your finger and you can kind of see that I'm blurry. Details disappear from what you're not focusing on. Paul said, I have earnest expectation. I'm going to magnify Christ. When I focus on Christ, some of the details of where I'm at, they just kind of get blurry. But if I focus on them, what happens? The details of Christ. Oh, I wish somebody today would just lock their eyes upon the Lord. I think that's probably what happened to, uh, to Peter whenever he walked on the water. Everything's going well until the boisterous winds come and he starts looking what happened. Amen. What he really should have had his eyes on became a little blurry in that moment because something else caught his expectation and attention. But if I can keep it, that doesn't mean whenever I put my finger up there and I stare at it, it doesn't mean you all disappear. Doesn't mean you don't exist. It's, it's not me denying that you're here, but it's just the fact that I'm focused in. I'm honed in on something. And right now, this is what really matters. That's still there. It's still going to run its course. You may come and go, but there's one thing right now that matters. Paul says, I'm going to magnify Christ in my body. I'm focused. Imprisonment's there, and it may still be there for several months. I might even die, but right now there's one thing that's clear. i got to bring Christ near. i got to. May he be magnified. So, again, it's not that it's important, but everything that happened to him then just basically became white noise, so to speak, because Christ was the focus. 
Amen. Man, we find ourselves in a world of hurt when we want to focus on everything that's happening to us, everything that we're going through. Hear me? Hmm? God, well, what about this? How am I going to fix this? Well, how am I going to take care of this? You know, there's not just one leaky faucet. They're all leaky. You hear what I'm saying? Chris is like, I'm tightening up. I hate plumbing. Messing with it when you got to, I hate it. Because while you're tightening it up here, it's coming loose over here. You understand what I'm saying? And it's like, Paul says, no, I'm going to stop here. I'm just going to focus on one thing. And let everything else just get blurred in the background. Just focus on that one, that one thing. And so, you know, good thing that he did because when he was in prison and his life and ministry, though he was just standing in the shadows and Christ was being propagated and preached and propelled, yes, it made some have confidence and want to witness more for the Lord. But you know what else it did? It made envy and rivalry appear in the hearts of other people. You know, the difference is, you know, jealousy is when you want what somebody has. Envy is when you don't want the person that has it to have it. Do you hear me? It's not necessarily that they want it. They just don't want you to have it. And so as he's in prison for crying out loud, but they can't get out of their spirit that Christ is going forward and still things are happening, though Paul's in prison are like, we don't want him to have that. You talk about kicking a guy when he's down. You know, you're in prison, but we don't want even there to be any success in your ministry while you're there. So it stirred up that type of stuff. Paul, had he got word of that and had the wrong focus? Sonny, he could have caused himself a stomach ulcer before it's all said and done. People against him, and here he is in flee. The Bible says that there were some, you can read it in, in, in verse number 16, that these, these people even wanted to add affliction to his bonds, which basically meant they just wanted to add weight to his bonds. You know them. They're still alive today. I know that was in the book of Philippians, but they're still alive today. Some people would rather see you hurt more. They'd rather see you hurt more, have to go through more. Well, God, they've not suffered enough. Pour it on, pour it on. They might even rejoice in your suffering. They deserved it. Oh, Lord. Here's the thing, though. The Bible says these people, these people, the ones whose, whose confidence was encouraged, they were preaching Christ. And listen, this is going to be hard for some of y'all to wrap your minds around. But even those that, had, that were wanting to add more pressure and more affliction to Paul, they were preaching Christ too. Here is the thing. One group was preaching Christ with pure motives. One was preaching Christ with not pure motives. They wanted glory. It was for self-ambition. Quite contradictory to the way that Paul ordered his life. And look at Paul. Look. He's keeping things. He's magnifying Christ, right? You got to be in those circumstances. You know what he says at the end of the day? He says, whether in pretense or whether in truth, 
What's he saying? Whether they're doing it for their selfish ambition or whether they're doing it for goodwill. He said, as long as the message is going forth and people are being changed by the message, he says, I'll just ignore the carriers of the message. You know what he's saying? He said, I'm not, I'm not going to get all vindictive and be like, oh, bless God, you got impure motives. He said, if, the, if his purpose is being accomplished, even though their motives are impure, that's between them and God. But as long as the purpose is being accomplished, he says, I'll just throw up my hands and say, I'm going to rejoice, he says, and I'm going to continue to rejoice because they might be thinking they're doing me harm, but it's still helping propagate the gospel. Now, you got to have an awful good attitude. you gotta ha- you got to have Christ in his proper spot to not get distracted by that noise. In prison. <laughs> Amen. So, Paul didn't allow their spiteful motives to get under his skin. He simply rejoiced. Christ is being preached. Christ is being magnified. They want to encourage my burden. That's fine. Christ is being magnified. Stand with me this morning. I'll hasten to close. Let, I'll admit to you today, I'm not there yet. His name was Paul. My name is Paul, but we're just not exactly the same. <laughs> I'm not there yet. Because I'll tell you what this Paul wants to do. So I want to defend myself. I want to put up the walls of self-preservation. But to Paul, it was impure motives, but the purpose has been accomplished. Man, I want that type of spirit. Might find me in prison someday, I guess. Watch what you ask for. Think of it with me for a moment. Old Testament story, one that probably many are, are maybe perhaps familiar with. If we recount again the whole story of the life of Joseph and what he faced in his life, Much of what he faced in life was driven by impure motives. Much of what he was the butt end of was driven by impure motives from his brothers and from others. But look, the overarching purpose of Joseph's life was accomplished by those things. God was magnified, brought near and close. Through the life of Joseph, though people had impure motives. This is what the scripture says, and I'll close with this today. Concerning the story of Joseph. Genesis 41, look at this. In verse 38, Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's about ready to speak here. Joseph just interpreted his dreams to him, told him about the years of, of famine and the years of plenty and about what should and ought to be done in order to survive in those years of famine, all this stuff. And Pharaoh, king of Egypt, said unto his servants, can we find such a one as this is a man in whom the spirit of God is? I think this guy's been sold into slavery through pit, forgotten. Accusation that he committed adultery. Potiphar's wife. All of this. And the only thing that Pharaoh can say in this moment, can, 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 can we even find another man like this in whom the spirit of God is? How in the world can you see that, Pharaoh? With everything that this man went through. Because Joseph magnified He magnified Christ. He didn't use his platform of being able to come before Pharaoh and talk to him about dreams and visions, about, well, this is what I've been through, and if you could really do something for me, and then, no. 
he magnified Christ. Verse 39 says, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath shewed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou. What happened? He's been brought near to the heathen king of Egypt through Joseph's life. That Christ might, as always, even so now also. Man, that does my heart well. It's convicting. It's challenging. It's something to aspire to and something for me in prayer to ask God to help me with. Yeah. Because I get it sometimes on the good days, but the bad days are a little bit more of a challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, Paul, I'll go to Ephesus and Galatia and start churches, but boy, it's a little more of a challenge when you got chains on your hands and feet. Amen. Can we bow our heads here today? Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.